Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Before we begin today's story, I just want to remind you all that the book, based on this podcast that's called Shockingly Good Stories, goes on sale on July 2nd, 2021. It features 20 of the stories I've told here on the podcast, as well as some of my story reading tips and just general words of wisdom. You can pre-order the book from your local bookstore or your favourite online seller. Now it's available now for pre-order. Also, there will be a book launch to celebrate its release, and it's going to be at Glee Books in Sydney on July 8th at 10am. I'll be doing a live record of the podcast, as well as answering any of your questions and signing books for everyone. So I'd love to see you there. You can contact the store to RSVP, and I'll be posting more details on social media and my website, raspratt.com, in the next few days about that event. Rightio, well, let's start it. Today's story. Today, I'm going to do the story of the history of George Washington and the cherry tree, as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. Did you learn anything at school today? Nanny Piggins asked conversationally as she met the children from the bus. We learned about the life cycle of a frog, said Michael. Ah, masters of disguise, Frog, said Nanny Piggins. First one thing, then another. You'd never see it coming if they didn't warn you about it at school. Well, we learned what a semicolon is, said Samantha. Really, said Nanny Piggins. Is it true it's got nothing to do with the lower intestine? Uh, I don't think so, said Samantha. Oh, we learned about George Washington, said Derek. That vandal, said Nanny Piggins. Ugh! No, the President of the United States, said Derek. Oh, yes, I suppose he did that too, said Nanny Piggins. And he was the general that led the Americans to overthrow the British rule with their obsessive tea taxes. And he did set the standard for all democratic leaders of stepping down voluntarily from power, which has allowed peaceful transition of power to become the norm in so many democracies around the world. And all that is tremendously good... But nothing alters the fact that George Washington's youth was marred by an axe-wielding incident. It was, asked Samantha. Oh, yes, said Nanny Piggins. I know all about it, because it just so happens that one of my relatives was there. Was she fabulously glamorous and stunningly good-looking, asked Michael. Well, she was a Piggins, said Nanny Piggins. She was the Washington family gardener. Really? asked Derek. Yes! She really intensely disliked people, explained Nanny Piggins. But she was not speciesist. She didn't like pigs either. She just liked plants. They were less chatty. Plants don't talk at all, said Samantha. Which was just the way she liked it, said Nanny Piggins. Plants don't speak until spoken to. And they don't even speak then. Ideal as far as she was concerned. Much preferable to children. 
She was quite content in the garden, pruning the hedges, training the espaliers, and ruthlessly hunting down aphids, said Nanny Piggins. But as is so often the case in history, one day things went horribly wrong. What happened, asked Boris. Did a wicked ringmaster scoop her up in a sack and force her to join the circus? A similar thing had happened to Boris once, and he was forever concerned that it might happen to someone else. No, it all started with the boy of the house, a young man named George, had his sixth birthday party, said Nanny Piggins. Now, normal sane adults, when they buy presents for six-year-olds, usually go with something nice, like a football or a book or a lifetime supply of ice cream. But goodness knows what got into young George's parents' heads. Perhaps they left the shopping too late and the only thing that was open was the local hardware store. Anyway, they got their six-year-old an axe. An axe, said Samantha. Yes, said Nanny Piggins. Did the word axe mean something different in the 18th century, Samantha asked. Like, was axe the word for teddy bear or rubber ducky? No, then as now, an axe was an axe, said Nanny Piggins. If you were being generous, you might call it a hatchet, but that's just the word for a small axe. There is no getting away from the fact that these adults bought a small child an implement of destruction. Now, as you know, little children generally do enjoy smashing things and stomping on things and wrecking things. To be fair, we all do, adults included. But as you get older, you come to realise that running along a beach and jumping on someone else's sandcastle is frowned upon, so you suppress these joyful, destructive impulses. But George was six, the age where most little boys enjoy the simplicity of running in a circle, pretending to be a dinosaur. So give him an axe, a simple tool with one purpose, cutting things down. He was obviously going to want to cut something down. His first thoughts were no doubt the legs of the dining chairs in the house, or perhaps the legs of his sister's dolly collection. Who knows? My cousin Anna was not there to see that. But inevitably, George and his axe were bustled out of the house and he set out in search of something to use his axe on in the garden. Now, my dear cousin was not just a regular gardener. She was a gardener par excellence. She was good with flowers, with bedding plants, but the thing that she was really excellent at was pruning fruit trees, or espalier, to be precise. She could prune any fruit tree into the most aesthetically pleasing geometric pattern, so that the tree was a delight to behold, and every leaf had the perfect exposure to light, so that it in turn could grow the most beautiful crop of fruit. Her particular pride and joy was a cherry tree she had trained in the centre of the orchard. She had trained the branches to grow in the shape of the statue of the Venus de Milo. The Venus de Milo, asked Derek. Yes, it's a very famous Roman statue on display in the Louvre Museum in Paris, explained Nanny Piggins. It's very beautiful. And of course, the lady is nude. Artists are such naughty men. But most famously, the statue has no arms. But that's another story about my great aunts Helga and Helena, twins, you know, who simultaneously had itchy backs when they visited the Louvre and needed to make themselves improvised back scratches. Poor Venus de Milo lost her arms that day, but on the bright side, their itches did get scratched. 
And your cousin pruned her cherry tree to look like this armless statue, asked Michael. Oh, yes, said Nanny Piggins. She was supremely talented. And this tree produced the most delicious fruit as well. Great big dark cherries the size of baseballs. And baseball had not been invented yet. So when it was, for years, people used to describe baseballs as being the size of her cherries. The tree was her pride and joy. It was almost like a child to her, except in many ways better because the tree never needed help with its homework or a lift to gymnastics or to have its nose wiped like an actual child would. She really loved that tree. So I'm sure you can sense the potential conflict that is about to arise. Oh, yes, well, Boris, the most beautiful cherry tree and a small boy with an axe. It can't end well. Indeed, said Nanny Piggins. My dear cousin had just sat down to have a little cake break in her tool shed when she heard the most horrifying sound, the distinctive whoosh thud of an axe. Now, the firewood had already been chopped. There were no Visigoths or Mongol hordes likely to attack, so there was no reason to believe that an axe could be hitting something it should. My cousin leapt to her trotters and ran in the direction of the sound. Sadly, it was a large garden, and even though she was a piggins and therefore ran with the speed of an elite athlete, there were several more whoosh thuds before she arrived. She burst into the central grove of the orchard and heard the dreaded cry of... "'Timber!' shouted in the high-pitched voice of a six-year-old boy. "'She got there just in time to see the Venus de Milo collapse face down on the ground. "'No!' wailed Anna, falling to her knees and grabbing the tree to her chest. "'No, no, no!' "'Now, the six-year-old boy was just a six-year-old boy,' said Nanny Piggins. "'He was no more wicked at heart than a tadpole. "'It wasn't his fault an adult had thought it a good idea "'to give him an axe as a birthday present. "'And being a small child, he was naturally quite alarmed, "'afraid even, to be confronted by a fully-grown pig "'who was deranged with grief.' "'You!' said Anna, turning on the boy. "'It wasn't me!' said the boy, a fact abundantly contradicted by the axe still in his hands. "'Why did you do this?' demanded Anna. "'I got a new axe for my birthday,' said the boy. "'You have destroyed a tree!' said Anna. "'Do you understand what that means?' The boy just shook his head, for he was an intelligent child, and while he knew what cutting down a tree meant, he sensed that this pig was talking metaphorically. A tree is a beautiful structure, created by nothing more than the elements in the soil, and the energy from the sun building tiny cells, too small for the eye to see, up into a great strong structure with elegant branches, fluttering leaves, and sweet, delicious fruit. In short, a tree transforms dirt into beauty and bountiful food. And you have destroyed this. Years of creation. Just try out an axe. The boy predictably burst into tears. He was not a bad lad. I'm so sorry, he sobbed. What can I do to make it right? Anna looked at the fallen tree. Some things are so terrible they cannot be made right, she said sadly. The boy sobbed harder. (laughs) And so did Boris.
He was feeling emotional, partly out of sadness for the story and partly because the talk of cherry trees was making him think of cherry danishes. Anna took pity on the boy and relented. You can make up for the crime you have committed here today. I'll do anything, anything at all, said the boy. Anna thought about what he could best do to make it right. To make up for this, you really will have to do a lot. You'll have to become the greatest general this country has ever known. Lead America to victory in the War of Independence. Become the first president and yet not let the power go to your head. And retire, standing aside to set the precedent of peaceful transition of power that all democratic leaders around the world shall follow. The little boy frowned as he tried to take this all in. Would you like me to write all that down for you, asked Anna. Yes, please, said the boy. So she dotted down a list of instructions for him to follow, said Nanny Piggins. She even threw in a few extra things like hiring a secretary called Hamilton so that an award-winning Broadway musical could be written 250 years in the future. And so this boy, who we know as George Washington, followed her instructions precisely, and America has been a successful, thriving democracy ever since. The end, said Nanny Piggins. Derek, Samantha and Michael were feeling a bit baffled by this tale. Our history teacher told us a similar story, said Derek, but it was about George Washington cutting down a cherry tree, then confessing immediately when asked by his father and saying that he could not tell a lie, he did cut it down. Oh, yes, said Nanny Piggins. Ironically, that was a story invented to teach children not to lie, but that story is a total fabrication. Really, said Derek. Oh, yes, grown-ups are tremendously complicated people, said Nanny Piggins. They think nothing of telling a lie to teach children not to lie. Gosh, said Samantha. But you shouldn't judge them too harshly, said Nanny Piggins. It's a great rule of storytelling. Never let the truth ruin a good tale. But what about the tree, asked Michael. What happened to the Venus de Milo? Did she end up being burned as firewood? No, actually, said Nanny Piggins, for Anna was a spectacularly gifted gardener. She actually managed to regraft the tree back to its stump by using a prodigious amount of sticky tape. Had sticky tape been invented in the 18th century, asked Samantha. No, said Nanny Piggins, not until that day. She was the pig who invented it. So the Venus de Milo cherry tree was re-erected, although she was a good deal shorter than she had been before the axe attack. But her cherry still tasted fabulous, and George Washington made an excellent president. So they all ended happily ever after the end time for cake. Thank you for listening to support this podcast just by a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from from across the Nanny Piggins, Friday Barnes and Pesky Kids series and now my new book, Shockingly Good Stories. You can order any of these things through your local bookstore or go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They've got all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>